Hi, I'm Gordon. And I'm Fiona. We're from Gate Church International in Dundee, Scotland, and we'd like to welcome you to this week's podcast. Our goal here is growing people to bring Christ into our communities and to see you get connected with God, His people, and His purpose. We hope this message inspires you in your faith journey. Thank you. The last few weeks we've been dipping in in and out of, uh, not the swimming pool, we've been dipping in and out of uh, the Beatitudes from Matthew chapter 5. And I want to dip into Matthew chapter 5 again today and look at the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes, if you don't know what they are, I'll tell you what, this is Jesus' teaching when He sat down with His 12 disciples and He sat down with a crowd on the side of a hill and uh, something happened and He began to teach and uh, they listened to His teaching, not, not just the words of what had been spoken in the Old Testament, but Jesus. Jesus begins to speak and He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. If you want to listen to any of the sermons, they're all online, what we preached on on the Beatitudes. And on the final one and two here, it says, blessed are those who are persecuted, Yes, can't wait to get persecuted. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you. <laughs> blessed are people, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, <laughs> and, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Woo, I'm blessed. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And uh, wow, so blessed are you. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let me just qualify something before we begin. It says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Now, sometimes Christians have a persecution complex that's called fake news. Now, for example, if you turn up for your work late and you get a warning from from your boss, you're not being persecuted. You're getting told off for being a dumb donkey or a dumb mule, okay? That's not persecution. If you go to school and you get lines or detention for being late or for being naughty in any way, you're not being persecuted. You're just being a dumb donkey, okay? So there's a difference between persecution and other things. And sometimes people have a persecution complex. Does anybody here know what I'm talking Not about you, but in other people. Come on. There's some people with a persecution complex. You know, sometimes in university or school, we'll get feedback. It might be, it might be constructive feedback from someone and uh, we, 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 the person is trying to coach us, but we take it as persecution. And uh, we have a pity party. But here's the thing. You know, or someone, if you play rugby or football, someone completely slams you and, and goes in hard and takes you out and 
you go crying home to your mummy because you've got a scar on your leg and you just can't cope and I'm a Christian and they're picking on me. That's not persecution. That's just called a hard tackle, big man, okay? That's just, that's just called getting slammed at rugby. It happens if you want to play competitive sports that are physical, you will get slammed. It's not because of your faith. It's just called getting slammed at sport, and it's part of the journey of being a sporty person. So, <clears throat> that's not persecution. You know, if, if, if you're a Bible basher and preach without relationship in your place of work, if you're preaching at people without listening to what they've got to say, and they, you say they're persecuting, they're not persecuting you. They just can't handle the fact that you're non-listening. They just can't handle the fact that you, 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 it's one-way traffic because you're a Bible basher. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ produces, the fruit of the Spirit produces people that can listen to other people and say, what do you believe? And even though they rant on about Jesus being a spaceman or being an atheist for an hour, the fact is you've got the grace to listen to them and just say, do you, do you want to hear what I believe? And if they say no and close the door, have some grace. It's just the door slammed in your face. But most people will say, well, what do you think? And you can then share what you think. So be, be aware that there's persecution and there's fake persecution. There's real persecution. And that's what I want to speak into this morning. Some of you face real persecution. You genuinely do. But I, I, I want, before we get to you and your persecution, if it cometh, I want to give some context to what, what Jesus said. Because Jesus is speaking to... The, the, the nation of Israel is desperate. There's been 400 years of kind of nothing happening with no prophets. There's been Maccabean uprisers. There's been people who are thinking, he is the Christ. He might be the Messiah. That might be the one to lead us out of the Roman Empire and back to us being a nation again. There's all these stirrings. So, so there's been this time of where there's, there doesn't seem to be much happening, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees are raised up, and, and Jesus comes with this, this teaching. But the teaching, there's three things I'm going to speak on this morning. One is he prophetically preaches over them. Who's them? That's his disciples, the 12 men that are his disciples and apostles that will lead the church. Jesus is preaching to them primarily. So when he's preaching to them, he's prophesying over their lives. He's telling them some things that are going to happen in their lives that are going to be incredibly significant. And everything that Jesus taught, the disciples had to learn, and they didn't discern correctly at the beginning, because Jesus said that he'd be raised again after three days. They didn't process it. They were like, they just couldn't hear it. They couldn't handle what he was preaching, and they didn't know how to process it prophetically until Jesus was, uh, he died and rose again. They began to process, oh, that's why he said that. That's why he said these things. So Jesus is prophetically speaking over the 12. He's speaking over the crowds, but he's also speaking over us as well. It says in Revelation 19, uh, it says, the angel says, worship God for it is the spirit of prophecy who bears testimony to Jesus. And, and it's the, the, the prophetic spirit. Jesus is the prophet above all prophets. He's the one. But Jesus is, all his preaching is incredibly prophetic. So he's laying down some markers for the apostles. Some of these things <coughs> are going to happen. Some of these things are going to happen, boys, but you don't realize it yet. And their eyes, their eyes aren't opened until they, they journey and begin to walk things out as the New Testament charts once Jesus has ascended into heaven. But Jesus lays out these teachings, and, and there's something where they don't quite get it, 
but he's prophesying over them. The second point I'm going to make is that the, the pr presence continually guides these disciples who will be persecuted. And the third point is uh, about their persecution and deaths. I'm going to do the third point next, and then I'm going to come back to the second point, because the presence and the walk with God. So the teaching cometh, the, the teaching comes, so Jesus preaches that teaching. In between, there's the manifestation of the church of Jesus Christ that eventually happens after Jesus ascends into heaven. And um, in the end, there's, there is persecution on the journey, but then there are terrible deaths as well. This is sounding like an awesome sermon, isn't it? Some of you are like, man, this is great. I'm so glad I came to church this morning. So glad I came to hear about all the disciples getting martyred and put to death. I just can't wait to hear about it. So I'm, I'm going to tell you about them, okay? So this is some of Jesus' boys here, okay? He's 12 lads who are surrounding him, young boys, disciples, forward slash, apostles, blessed are the persecuted. And they're like, ah, it's great. That's great, Jesus. Blessed are those who hunger. I like the one on hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's me. I can download that one. But the persecution one, that's probably for other people in the crowd. Probably just ignoring it, thinking, well, just shimmy, just, just goes over. And we'll take the good ones and just spit out the bad ones, you know. But here's the thing. Something happens. Peter is martyred in Rome about 66 AD under uh, Emperor Nero. Peter was crucified upside down at his request since he did not feel worthy to die in the same manner as the Lord. Parts of history tell us. Thomas was probably most active in the area of Syria. Tradition had him preaching as far east as India, uh, where some uh, Christians today still revere him because of his influence as their founder in their movement. And they claim that he died there when pierced through with spears of four soldiers. Blessed are the persecuted. Philip, the good news is they're, they're gone, you know, and uh, they're in heaven with Jesus. But th this is the kind of ending that the apostles had. Um, Philip, powerful ministry in North Africa, Asia Minor, um, and a, 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 Roman, uh, a Roman person who was in charge, a governor, uh, who was furious at his wife's con conversion, had a retaliation and arrested and cruelly put him to death. Matthew, the tax collector and writer of the gospel, ministered in Persia and Ethiopia. Some reports say he was stabbed to death in Ethiopia. Welcome to being one of the 12 apostles. Bartholomew, he traveled to uh, India, allegedly, Armenia, Ethiopia, southern uh, Arabia, uh, and there's various accounts that his death, uh, he was martyred for the gospel. James is reckoned of ministered in Syria. Uh, the Jewish historian Josephus uh, reported that he was stoned and then clubbed to death. Wow, what an ending. Simon the Zealot allegedly ministered in Persia and was killed after refusing to sacrifice to the sun god. Bow down, man. No, <laughs> you're dead. Matthias was the apostle chosen to replace Judas. Uh, tradition sends him to Syria uh, and, and, and he was born to death. Welcome to being one of the 12 apostles. John is <clears throat> the only one of the company generally thought to have died a natural death from old age. That's why John in the gospel said, you know, I, I'm the one who laid my head on his chest and 
I'm the special one. And he was right. <laughs> he didn't get stabbed to death or torched. He was a special one. He just died of a natural death. And there's Andrew as well, who went to the land of the, the man-eaters, allegedly, in what is now the Soviet Union. Christians there claim him as the first. Any Russian people, we love you. Uh, Christians there claim as the first to bring the gospel to their land. He also preached in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, and in Greece, where he is said to have been crucified. But he wasn't crucified like that with his arms. He was crucified, you know. And, and that's where the Scotland flag comes from. So when we look at the Scotland flag, if somebody says to you on, not Independence Day yet, but would you call that thing on, is it the 29th of November? Was, was it we celebrate? St. Andrew's Day! That's what it's called, St. Andrew's Day. St. Andrew's Day. So we now celebrate St. Andrew's Day in Scotland about the patron saint of Andrew. And, uh, you know, if anybody's celebrating that, just say, what a flag, eh? You know what it means? Really? Aye. It means that. And that's what it's based on. And, and lead into something else about Andrew being the apostle of Scotland. That's what you can say to people. I can see you're buying into my dream. So, so, so you see, Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted and uh, because of righteousness. And that, that's quite a hard word. It's quite a hard word. So, so I'm preaching a sandwich this morning, the words of Jesus, the beatitude, the calling of the disciples. Then at the end, they died a terrible death, it seems. And in between, there was persecution when in, um, Jesus prophesied about no stone being left unturned in Jerusalem, how the, the, the city would be overturned and persecution would come, and the church was scattered, and the church had no choice. The church had no choice but to go different places. So, in one sense, they were comfortable in Jerusalem. It was cozy, and it was lovely, and it was nice and super, and uh, they were seeing people saved, and other people were going out to different regions, and Paul, yeah, he's called. He can go. Or Peter, he's called to the Gentiles. He can go. But, but suddenly, something happens where persecution comes, and the church is scattered. And there's something wonderful about persecution. Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted. And it's amazing just now that the reports coming in from so many missions, organizations, they're, they're saying that the fastest growing part of the church in the world today is in, in places like Iran, where people are being persecuted, but so many are coming to know Jesus, because the seed of the Word is going in through satellite channels. The seed of the Word is going in through new believers who are, who are believing. The, the, the seed of the Word is going in where people are having dreams and vision. Remember Peter stood up at Pentecost and talked about and prophesied from the book of Joel where he said that, that I will pour out my Spirit, God says, upon all flesh in these last days. Old men will dream dreams, young men will see visions and and upon men and women and slave and free and all that kind of stuff. And, and here's the thing, it's, it's happening today. The Spirit of God is being poured out upon people who are being persecuted. The church in this nation, we're, we're being persecuted by a lot of laws, a lot of things are changing behind the scenes, and, and, and it just seems like, God, what is going on in our nation? But here's the thing, blessed are the persecuted because of righteousness. And as we stand up for righteousness, Something great can happen in God. The second part I want to talk about today, because I've done the first and the third, I'm going to go back to the second. I know it sounds a bit mental, but I'm just trying, I'm just trying to get in a focus and a flow. Where we've started with the beginning, 
we're blessed are those who are persecuted. When Jesus spoke it to them, I've gone to the end bit where, where, where they've, they've been killed, but I want to look at the presence now, how they were carried in the presence of God, and how even we see when Stephen was stoned to death, he was in the presence where he looked up to heaven and saw Jesus at the right hand of the Father. Stephen saw the glory because he was in the presence. And, 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 and there's something about the, the, the presence of God that is so incredibly powerful and so incredibly good as, as we lead and as we do things for Him. So many people, so many Christians are dry in their walk with God, and the only time they experience the presence of God is in public meetings, small groups, or occasionally when they're on their own. But we need to be carriers, people. We need to be people that are carrying the presence. We need to be switched on. We need to be ready to preach the gospel in season and out of season. We need to be loaded with the Lord. We need to be ready with the Word. We need to be ready to pray with people on the streets of our city. We need to be ready to pray with our workmates, not in a Bible bashy way, but just as things arise, if somebody's unwell, is offered to pray with them, believing that God will heal them. So there's something powerful about the New Testament church where they began to arise in the power of the Spirit. They, they met together. Peter led thousands of them to faith on Pentecost. Then they met together in one another's homes, and Jesus Christ is in the midst of them. Jesus is in the midst, and the presence of God is so strong, and the, the, there's things happening in the midst. I, I want to share with you, I prayed with someone in my car this week who is not, was not a believer, and I prayed with them, and they said they felt like electricity was going through their body, and, and they've messaged me talking about Jesus, and they're wanting a Bible and stuff. God is doing something. God's doing something in my life, and I believe He's doing something in your life as well. So be expectant of what the Lord is going to do. I want to tell you, I've spoken to thousands, thousands of people over the years. I've shared the gospel with a lot of people. I've not just been from platforms. I've been one-on-one, and I've spoken to people. And I've, I, honestly, over the years, I've hit blank wall after blank wall. But the seed has gone in. And we've heard somebody told me <clears throat> two weeks ago that they knew someone in another part of Scotland where, where I preached to them on the street and they came to know Jesus afterwards. And I was so encouraged because sometimes you feel like you're planting dead seed. You feel like the seed is dead. But here's the thing, that is fake news. And I have to repent of that because every seed we plant, even though the moment seems dead, even though the, the response is blank-faced, even though the person kind of reacts, even though they, they, they cuss at you or say something, or ignore you, but the, the, the seed is the Word of God, and the seed is power to go into somebody's life. So as you speak about Jesus to people, the seed goes in. And when the seed goes in, it's up to Him when it germinates and comes into fruition. Or it's up to Him if, if people want to respond, if people choose to respond to that Word in due time and due season. That's none of my business. My, my goal is, my job is just to plant that seed within people. But I believe we're in a time and a season where the presence of God, we're going to be carriers of the presence. The presence is going to be present almost all the time. And we're going to see things happen in marketplace and workplace and different places where people are going to come to know Jesus. I believe that with all my heart. I believe there's a sense of a deep thickening of the presence of God upon people's lives. Acts chapter 9, it says in verse 31, then the churches 
Some manuscripts read, the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, Samaria had peace and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. There's something powerful about just the Holy Spirit brooding over His church and moving over His church and causing multiplication. And I believe we're moving into a time where multiplication will come because the Spirit of God is going to move supernaturally with His presence. You know, there's people getting healed in meetings. We've been, I said it, shared it last week, we were in a meeting the week before, and a guy got healed, and I wasn't expecting him to get healed, to be honest. I prayed with him, and his hands unbuckled, and his back straightened up. And I, and I have, to, have to confess, I, I was almost expecting, I wasn't sure if anything was going to happen. But God did something, but such is the presence of God. And, and, and I'm just saying, God, forgive me, my unbelief. Forgive me for my lack of faith. Forgive me for not trusting in your presence. And I and, and the, the early church saw a tremendous sense of God's presence ebb and flow. There was a rhythm and rhyme. There was a rhythm, a rhythm, a rhythm that came through the presence of God. And people were added and multiplied into the church because of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe that God wants to reveal His heart through His church. And as we're here, and I'm speaking to uh, many different church leaders around the nation, and it's like there's a secret revival going on, saints. I've said this before, but I'll say it again. There's churches that are at 30 people that have grown to 50. There's churches at 50 that are now at 70. Some churches at 70 that are now at 90. A lot of the smaller churches in the rural, rural villages and places around the nation, they're just seeing growth. Something's happening. And it's not in stadiums where it might happen that way in the future, but the presence of God is moving powerfully in His church, and it's little by little growth. You know, there's been great awakenings in our times. In the United States, there was two great awakenings in 1700 and 1800, and there was just, there was just amazing things that happened. And what happened was the glory of God fell in moments and times, but it was carried by the presence of God. And God's people are carriers of the presence and as, 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 we, as, we, as we illuminate the presence of God, something happens. And it, and it says of the, these great awakenings that God Himself manifested His presence amongst His people. Not only were the church aware of His presence, but unbelievers were aware of His presence as well. And when the presence of God falls on a group of people, something happens, something changes. And that's why when people walk in the door of the church, sometimes people say, I was aware of the presence of God the first time I, woke, I, I, I walked in. I was aware of His presence. I was aware of Jesus touching my shoulder. I was aware that something was changing inside me. I was just aware of His presence. I want to encourage you here today, saints, that the, the something, the something of the presence that's going to change some things in this house, the something of the glory of God that's going to change some things, there's something of His presence that's going to change you, and you're going to be an atmosphere changer as you go into places. There's something of the presence of God when you're in His presence and you hear His Word and you read His Word. You have faith to believe what He says about things. You know, in our human nature, in our Western minds, we read circumstances. We read it logically, which there's nothing wrong with being logical. But here's the thing. Often we read things logically. We look at things, and we look at the plans 
and, 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 and we keep God out, and, and we decide what can be done and what cannot be done by God or by the Holy Spirit. But here's the thing, in the presence of God, when I'm in His presence and I'm reading His Word, I can see things that are possible that I cannot see with my natural mind. I don't want to just function. I want to function well in my natural mind, but I also want to function with the mind of Christ, that we can see things as He sees things, and we function and flow with Him. I preached last week on how uh, one of my favorite verses are, I, I don't know if I preached or was praying or just chatting to someone. It came up somehow that, that many of the plans in a man's heart, but the Lord's purpose shall prevail. And I want to be positioned in His purposes and see His plans outwork. Because if we position ourselves in our plans, we'll, we'll place limitations on ourselves. But as we position ourselves in His purpose, in His presence, and in His presence, He'll begin to see things and will begin to do things. I know the guy that leads the chaplain, say, Scotland for all the, the sports team in Scotland, for all the football teams. And, and, and going back about 17, 18 years ago, he was the chaplain uh, in one of the football clubs. And uh, the Lord spoke to him and said, you'll have a chaplain within every club within so many years. And he just laughed. He was like, I don't, he hardly knew anybody in Scotland, you know, hardly knew his neighbors, and he was like, God, how's this going to happen? Then the next, he just said, okay, God, he said, I submit and I trust you. And as he trusted God, the next day he met someone who said, I'd love to be a chaplain in a football club. He said, okay, let's do it. So he, he knocked on the door, then he got in another club, then other clubs have heard about what's going on in other clubs, and the benefactors of chaplains being in these clubs, and the whole thing's just grown and multiplied. You see, position himself in the purpose of God, and God caused the thing to grow. And as we're positioned in his presence, God will cause things to happen. Blessed are the persecuted. Here's the thing. The church was persecuted at the early stages, and they were scattered because of the Jewish persecution, but the church had to scatter as well. And in the scattering and the splattering, in the scattering, the church grew and expanded. Something happened. And I believe the Spirit of God is going to expand us. He's going to grow us. He's going to multiply us. I don't know how, but I'm fixed on His purposes. How He does it, part, frankly, it's none of my business. Do you know that? Because I, I want to obey His voice. I want to hear Him every day. And I want to invite people to know Jesus. Do you know, there's a city to be won to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a city that's needing to be touched. There's, there's a city, you know, that needs, needs to come and know Jesus. There's you know, in, 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 in the, the, the Russian revolution, the, the, there's people begging for bread, and other revolutions, there's, there's people begging for bread, and the church is sitting inside the church debating on whether they do communion on the Eucharist on this part of the table, or the, the front part of it, or the back part of the table, or do they do it in front of the cross? And it's like, guys, what the heck? What is that about? Why are we involved in such crazy conversation? Let's, let's be, Jesus said, I'm about my Father's business. I don't know about you, but I want to be about my father's business. I want to be about the Jesus business. I want to do what he asks me to do. I want to do what he calls me to do. I want to do what he tells me to say. I want to be in the right car with the right person at the right time, the right place, praying for people. I want to be talking to my neighbors at the right time, the right place. I want to be praying for someone on the street at the right time and the right place. I want to be able to speak to people at the right time and the right place. So, blessed are the persecuted. Are you going to be persecuted? I, I hate to bring you the bad news, but yes, you are. You are going to be persecuted. It's a reality. If you want to, if you want to follow Jesus Christ, you'll get a bit of a hard time. 
I know people who've come to follow Jesus, and uh, some of their family members have threatened to beat them up and uh, knock their head in, and uh, nice stuff like that. And uh, I know other people who've come to Jesus where uh, the husbands or their wives have said, I, I want nothing to do with you anymore. I hate this Jesus person. That's what they've said to them. Isn't that ugly? Blessed are those who are persecuted. I know, I, I know people who've had to walk away from a life of crime. They're involved in crime. They came to know Jesus, and they just said, I can't do it anymore. And all the friendships were based around crime, so they had to walk away. Blessed are the persecuted. They had to make right choices. They continued to love people and bless people, but they just could not walk that walk anymore. Blessed are the persecuted. You know, sometimes to follow Jesus, you have to make choices. Blessed are the persecuted. Blessed are those when people falsely accuse you. It happens. Um, blessed are you. If you're thinking of becoming a Christian today, this is probably the hardest motivational talk I've ever given on becoming a Christian uh, because blessed are those who are persecuted. If you follow Jesus, someone is going to give you, if you open your gob and say that you follow Jesus, someone will either give you a hard time or something. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. He is with us. His presence is with us. The church was persecuted by the Pharisees, but guess what happened? The church multiplied and it grew. There's always people who want to know Jesus. Today, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to announce to you, Jesus Christ is alive and well today. And here's how we know that he's alive, because when his presence comes and people call upon his name, they say, Jesus, help me. The power of the Holy Spirit comes and something changes. The way people know that they've become a Christian it's not just because confessing with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. Yep, that's all the right stuff. The reason people know is the shame lifts. The embarrassment, the guilt lifts. It lifts from people. I remember there was a man who preached in this pulpit once many years ago, and he said, there's nothing more powerful than a, clear, a clean and clear conscience. And I thought, wow, that's so true. To know that you're forgiven, to know that you're free, to, to, to know that you're, you're set free from stuff that's bound you, to know that you're free from guilt of mistakes that you made in your past as a child, as a teenager, as an adult, to know that you're free from that condemnation is powerful, to know that according to the Word of God, we are free. And you might wrestle with guilt, but you, 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 you wrestle. Don't wrestle in yourself. Wrestle with this that says, for now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and are called according to His purposes. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a clear conscience in Christ, but we also have His presence. And in His presence, there's fullness of joy. In His presence, things change. In His presence, there's opportunity to speak to your boss for a praise, pay rise. In His presence, the, the, there's boldness that comes. There's boldness that comes in His presence where you can knock on a door and say, I want that house. I want to buy your house. There's boldness that comes in His presence that knocks on a door and says, I, I, I want that job. There's boldness in His presence where the Lord says, I want you to take th th this job. And you say, I'm not qualified. I want you to knock on the door, son or daughter. And you knock on the door and the person says, I want you for this job now. There's something in the presence. Obey what the Holy Spirit asks you to do. Just do what He asks you to do and just say, yes, God. Go knock on some doors. Just, you know, yeah, speak. I like it. Thanks for your feedback. That's good. Speak. Knock on the door. Do you know, I've occasionally knocked on doors and I've gone to speak to people and I'm like, God, I don't want to be here. I don't want to speak to this person. I don't want to knock on this door. I don't want to ask this question. 
And I've just said, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit right now and give me a boldness. And as soon as the door opens, the fear goes, and I say, sir, I need to come and chat with you. And the Spirit of God gives me the words to speak, and He'll do likewise for you as well. So be in His presence. Come on. Blessed are those who are persecuted, for they shall be blessed. What does it say? I can't, can't even moan, right? And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Amen. Amen.